The scripture reading for today comes from Psalm 146. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God all my life long. Do not put your trust in princes and mortals in whom there is no help. When their breath departs, they return to the earth. On that very day, they, their plans perish. Happy are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He upholds the orphans and the widow. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. Our gospel reading for today is from Mark 7, verses 24 through 37. From there he sat out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there, yet he could not escape notice. But a woman, whose little daughter had an unclean spirit, immediately heard about him, and she came and bowed at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of Syrophesian origin. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. So she went home and found the child laying on the bed, and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre, and went by way of Sidon towards the Sea of Galilee in the region of Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man, whose impediment in his speech. They begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him aside in private, away from the crowd, and put his fingers to his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephantia, that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Then Jesus ordered them to tell no one. But the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astounded beyond measure, saying, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute to speak. So if you want to know what God is all about, which I hope that's why you're here, Psalm 146 is a great place to start. Written out in some, uh, some form of Hebrew poetry, this psalm, titled by the NRSV as Praise for God's Help, outlines the things that God does, really outlines the things that Jesus does, too, and does really well. I guess you could say this is kind of like a mission statement for Jesus, to execute justice, to feed the hungry, to set the prisoners free, to open the eyes of the blind, and lift up those that are bowed down, and take care of the orphans and widows. I'm sure there are one or two other things that I'm forgetting there, too, but there's a lot in there. So if you want to know what Jesus is all about, 
That's it. There's his mission statement. So we read that, and then we read the story from the gospel. I feel like we can read, or at least we read all the time anyway, of when Jesus performs a miracle, like making a blind man see, or, or feeding a bunch of people and stuff like that. I feel like we read about that almost every week, just like we did today. But that doesn't change the fact that this passage is really strange and quite troubling, because, well, Jesus' miracle almost didn't happen. It seems like if it were up to just Jesus, this interaction with the Syrophoenician woman would have never happened. And I, for one, am glad that it did, because the Gospel of Mark would look really, really different if it didn't happen. So let's kind of recap and go through this, talk about why it's strange and troubling and weird and all those different kinds of words. After his interactions with some Pharisees about eating with unclean hands and talking about what is truly clean or unclean, the Gospel reading that we touched on a little bit last week, Jesus and the disciples hit the road. And now, all of a sudden, we're kind of off on a weird foot, because where they go is a little bit strange. In the first six and a half chapters of Mark, he's kind of hanging in Jewish territory, in Galilee, right around the Sea of Galilee. But at this time, he decides to travel with his disciples to a city called Tyre, which is a city right on the Mediterranean coast, 35 miles northwest of Jewish territory. Northwest of cities like Capernaum and things like that where Jesus usually is. That doesn't seem like a lot today, right? We can travel 35 miles without even really thinking about it in cars. But you have to really think about, obviously back then, there were no cars. Which means they walked. Which means walking 35 miles. Which means that that would take about 12 hours, give or take probably give a lot to if you had to stop along the way. I would think, maybe I'll just speak from experience, if I were to go on a 12-hour walk, I would really have to be motivated to go on a 12-hour walk. And I would really have to plan my walk out in advance. Here's Jesus and the disciples. We don't really hear anything about their planning, and we don't really hear anything about their motives either. They just go which is kind of strange. And then they go to this place outside of Jewish territory, to a place that they had never gone before, to be among a bunch of strangers. And again, we don't know why, but all we know is that when he gets to this city, the city of Tyre, he doesn't want to be recognized by anybody. It seems like he's having one of those kind of moments, one of those days, especially after you travel, right? 12 hours, you just want to be alone. Get, get, your bed on, or get your head on the pillow, be in the bed, and just kind of relax for a bit and get settled in. But that's not really what happens. Things still continue to be strange. So after he goes to this strange place, a 12-hour walk away, a woman from this area immediately, and it says immediately, hears that Jesus is in town, walks into the house that he is staying in, and then starts talking to him. So here's Jesus, traveling 12 hours away from home so as not to be recognized or seen by anyone, trying to get settled in from the well-needed rest that I'm sure he wanted and deserved after that lengthy trip, only to have a woman come into the room who not only disrupts his rest, but also breaks multiple Jewish laws of how a Jewish man, a rabbi at that, 
should interact with a non-Jewish woman. And many of those laws said they should not be in a room alone together, especially where Jesus is sleeping. So now, things aren't really strange and weird. They're starting to get a little uncomfortable. And they're about to stay that way. The woman says her daughter is a demon that needs to be cast out, and she needs his help. To which then Jesus responds by saying, one of the most, quite frankly, un-Jesus things that we might ever hear Jesus say. He says, let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Now you have to understand the common terminology of that day would have said that children here referred to the Jewish people, and dogs here referred to anybody else, those that are not Jewish. It's quite derogatory. Essentially, Jesus is calling this woman a dog right to her face. This is really uncomfortable to read. This is really uncomfortable to hear Jesus say something like that, because that doesn't sound like Jesus at all. Now, some say that Jesus said this is a, is a teachable moment to show others how these names, thank you, both children and dogs don't quite hold up, and that there is far more in common between Jews and Gentiles than everyone thought, which is a possible explanation for why Jesus did this. But the problem with that is we have no idea who else is in the room. For all we know, it's just Jesus and this woman. So who is he teaching, if we think that? Maybe he is breaking some fourth wall and teaching the reader. But that doesn't often happen when Jesus is speaking. So we don't really know why Jesus said this. It's equally likely that Jesus is frustrated by this awkward situation and really did, in fact, say this. And that's weird. As I said, this doesn't jive at all with the guy who's supposed to live up to the promises that Psalm 146 says. And as weird as this is, though, and let's not sweep this under the rug, this is a really strange passage. But let's remember that Jesus doesn't flat out say no to this woman. He does say what seems to be a derogatory statement, but he doesn't say no either. He says that Jews will benefit first from what he is doing, and then at some point, Gentiles will. At some point, Jesus will help people like this woman, but for some reason that Jesus knows, he thinks that it's not time yet. It's not time for non-Jewish people to know about Jesus and his miracles just yet. So it's more of a timing issue than anything. But it's this unnamed stranger, this foreign woman, who says one thing and convinces him otherwise. Because suddenly, it is time to help the Gentiles. All of a sudden, he heals that woman's girl. And after that interaction, he heals a presumably Gentile blind man in another Gentile city in one of the most improvisational and non-sanitary ways that he could have possibly done it. I just have to mention here real quick as we talk about healing that blind man that I've heard some pastors call this the holy wet willy. 
And I, for one, am glad that this did not become a tradition that we still observe in the church. <laughs> I do not want to say, all right, everyone, turn to the person next to you and give them the right-handed, holy, wet willy of fellowship. That's not happening here at Edgeboro Raven Church. Now, we didn't read this, too. So, I mean, he heals, the, he heals the woman's girl, and then he heals this blind man. And then right after that, in the part after this story that we read for today, if you were to keep reading in Mark, he let a Gentile crowd follow him for three days. And when they got hungry, he fed them. Much like he fed 5,000 in a Jewish territory, he fed 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread and a couple fish in a non-Jewish territory. Suddenly, it's time to help these other people. In terms of his interaction with the woman, this is particularly interesting when he feeds the 4,000 people because he is literally giving bread to the dogs, as it were, just as he gave it to the children a little while ago. He's feeding the people he didn't think he needed to feed yet. Based on his initial response to the woman's plea for help, I don't think that this blind man would have been healed when he was. And I don't think 4,000 people would have been fed in the time that they were fed, because Jesus didn't think it was time yet. But Jesus' whole course of ministry changed after that because of one interaction with this woman. We know from experience it takes a good dose of humility to humility to change your plans. And the more attached you are to those plans, the more time, the more effort, the more passion you put behind your plans, whatever it might be, for your career, or your family, or vacation, or whatever it might be, the more we put behind a plan, the more humility it takes to suddenly change it or not go through with it at all. We know this from experience. Now we see it happen in real time. Suddenly, Jesus' plans for ministry change, and he is serving different people than he thought he was going to. I think this is a lesson of humility, which is why I can't help but think when Jesus prayed, be opened, when he healed that blind man, which is more accurately translated as like, be totally, completely opened wide. It's not just be open. There's a different word, a more common word for that. This is like, tear it open, be opened, opened all the way. I think Jesus was praying this for himself too. Not only was he saying this to heal the blind man, I think he said this for himself so that he might remain open to changes in his timing and plans for ministry and remain open to helping all people and remain open to receiving new wisdom from unlikely sources and strangers like that woman. Now again, this whole story is really hard to wrestle with because being angry, refusing to care for someone, or being wrong are not things that we typically, or at all, really associate with Jesus. However, I think we need this resulting image of a humbled Savior praying that he would be completely opened now more than ever. In a society where people are so set in their own echo chambers of knowledge and opinions, ways, 
and politicians and leaders, and for that matter, all of us can't be wrong. Every interaction, in a sense, has to be one. Where timelines and plans can't be disrupted without anger on our part, where traditions are so sacred they can't be changed even if they don't serve us as well anymore. Where competition rules our lives and businesses and our discourse, which then often turns to argument as a result. In a time and a place like this where these things happen, we need a humble savior, a prayer of a humble savior to say, let us be completely opened. May we be willing, and may we be humble enough and willing to be totally humbled and completely opened to loving people different than ourselves, to following a new timeline or, or a redirection of the plans in our lives. May we be open to new ideas and changes at home and work and church or in the world. May we be completely open to accepting a new wisdom and acknowledge that we have never known it all. May we be completely open to learning more about the issues and problems that need our care and attention. May we be open to accepting help when we need it after denying over and over again that we never needed help to begin with. May we be open to confessing our sins, both of commission and omission, that we've refused to acknowledge within ourselves. May we be completely opened. Whatever it is that you particularly need to be opened to, I hope that we might be humble enough to change and take Jesus' prayer as our prayer too. To all those things that I mentioned and to the Holy Spirit's nudgings, to Christ's callings and to God's will, may we be completely opened and willing to follow. Amen.
companions in Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord's countenance be lifted upon you and give you peace.